Uh, two and a half years ago, I ended up uh, taking a sabbatical because Randy Chiz was 100% burned out. And if I didn't do that, I probably would not be here today. But I am. And God restored me. And one of the things God spoke to me about was the importance of having someone cover me every now and then so that I'm not constantly being pulled on. Because I do a lot more than just preach on a Sunday, just in case you don't know. And um, so consequently, uh, I have a good friend that we've had here a few times. Dan McLaughlin is, is one of the best. He's a great man of God. He's a great preacher. Come on up, Dan. Bless us today. If you Good morning. It's great to be with you this morning, and Pastor Randy, as always, thank you for the opportunity to share God's Word with you. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. How many of you know uh, it's important for us to know who our closest allies are in life and where our closest relationships stand? Are you with me? How many of you know that's important? Um, my, my, my wife and I, um, we, uh, as many of you know, we have, we have seven children, and uh, so we, um, we get them off to bed as soon as we can. Usually it takes, you know, by 8, 8.30, we've got them all to bed, and my wife and I usually have about an hour, hour and a half to spend with each other at the end of the night, and so uh, one of the things that we like to do is we like to watch at least one episode of a reality television show. Does anybody like to watch reality television? Um, and so one of the shows that we watch, uh, show, it's a show that's been around for a long time. It's a show called Survivors. Anybody ever heard of the show Survivors? It's like the original reality television. Some of you don't realize Survivor is in its 37th season. It's one of the longest running uh, reality television shows. And so my wife and I, we like to watch it. We've been watching all of the old seasons on Amazon Prime. You can do that. Um, and uh, throughout these seasons, we like, to, we like to predict everything that's going to happen. So we love the competition. We love the, the drama. We love the interpersonal relationships. We love that it's a human experiment. Usually after the first episode, we, we, after they introduce all the characters, we'll pause it where they do this wide shot of all the characters, and my wife and I sit back and we stereotype. Have you ever done that? We're like, all right, that person's got a shot at winning, that person's got no shot, this person's going to argue with that person, this person's not going to last three days. And we go through and we do our best stereotype and we predict. And my wife is actually very, very good at predicting who's going to win. She's got almost a perfect record. It's unbelievable. Um, but we love watching this show, not just because it's competitive and because it's dramatic and because there's a lot of strategy involved. We love it also because it's a human experiment. And you learn a lot about how people really are wired. And one of the things that I've noticed as I've watched the show is that usually about midway through the show, some individuals start to break down. They start to break down physically, they start to break down emotionally, some of them start to break down psychologically, and they start to do the most bizarre things. And uh, I turned to my wife one night while we were watching, and I said, you know what? I said, I think I know why they're breaking down. And I said, I don't think it's because they haven't eaten in 14 days. <laughs> I don't think it's because uh, they, they can't sleep at night. I don't think it's because these competitions are hard or it's raining and it's wet and it's cold. I said, I think they're breaking down because for the first time in their life, they are isolated and they have no idea who in the world they can trust. And I said, I, said, I think this reveals one of the most 
basic parts of who we are as human beings, and that is this. We are never more insecure than when we don't know what's true about those closest to us, and we don't know where our closest allies are, who our closest allies are. And so, um, in in our lives, obviously, uh, the more important that relationship is in our lives, the more how we define that relationship matters. If, if I don't know you from Adam, if you're like a far-off acquaintance and you do something to offend me or do something to hurt me, it doesn't really affect my life in a great way. But when it's a close relationship, when it's a vital relationship, when it's a relationship that means the world to me and I don't know what's true about who you are and how you feel about me, that shakes me to the core. And so it's important for us to know as human beings where our closest relationships stand and who our closest allies are. And I would present to you today that our relationship with Jesus Christ is meant to be the closest, most important relationship that we have in our life. And we are never more secure than when we know who Jesus Christ is in our life. Conversely, we are never more insecure than when we don't know who Jesus Christ is in our life. That's why when Jesus speaks to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, his disciples come to him and Jesus says, who who is everybody saying that I am? And his disciples say, well, some people say that you are Elijah. Some people say you are John the Baptist. Some people say you are a great prophet reincarnated. And Jesus said, all right, forget about all that. Now, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And the truth is is that nobody else can answer this question for us. Nobody can answer the question of who is Jesus to you other than you. We can't stand before God at the end of our lives and say, God, uh, my pastor said Jesus was this way. My friend said Jesus was this. No, no, no. Who is Jesus to you? It's where our greatest security comes from. And Peter responds to Jesus, and Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are are him. You're the one. Jesus, you're the rescuer. You're the one we've been waiting for, for all, all of these years, all these ages. Jesus, you're him. It's you. And Jesus says, Peter, you are correct. In fact, Peter, this was not revealed to you by man. This was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, Peter, on this truth, on this reality, on the basis of who I am, this is the foundation on which not only your faith is built, but the entire faith of Christianity, the entire church's faith is built on this one thing. Who is Jesus Christ? And I would present to you today that we are never more secure than, we know, than when we know who Jesus Christ is in our lives. And I say this, all this to say this. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about Jesus today. I hope that's okay. Everybody okay with that? (laughs) Listen, there's a reason that we keep talking about Jesus in church. And we can talk about him every Sunday. We can talk about him every time we get together. And we finish every message focusing on who Jesus is. Why? Because we are never more secure than when we understand who Jesus Christ is in our lives. And our hearts continually forget that reality. And so this morning I want to take a few minutes... And I want to look at John chapter 8. And in this passage, Jesus begins to talk about who he is. And my hope is today that your hearts will move one step closer to Jesus Christ 
and in your security in who he is and who he is, who he is and what he has come to do in your life today. All right, so John chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. And Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and I know where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Would you pray with me one more time this morning? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for who you are. And God, most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you freely gave to us as a gift. And God, it's our prayer today that you would open our eyes once more to the truth and the beauty of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts and secure our hearts once again in who Jesus Christ is. And Lord, I pray that we would truly see you and your son Jesus in the way that you desire us to. We thank you for your son Jesus, the light of our world. In Jesus' name. Jesus says here, perhaps a very familiar statement, he says, I am the light of the world. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? Jesus is the light of the world, right? It's a very common phrase. We, we've, heard, we've heard it, you've maybe sung about it. Uh, Jesus is the light of the world. But as we look at the context of this passage, we understand that there's quite a bit more happening uh, behind the scenes. We know that Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people, and he's speaking in the temple courts. He's speaking in the outer courts of the temple, and he's speaking in a place called the treasury. It's right next to the court of women. It's one of the busiest areas of the temple. Uh, it's one of the centers of Jewish life, and they would come to the treasury to give their gifts, to give their tithes, to give their offerings, to give their gifts of worship before God. And so it was a very busy place, and so it's understandable that Jesus would be speaking in a place like this. But we also know that Jesus was speaking on a particular day, and he was speaking during uh, a very prominent Jewish feast known as the Feast of Tabernacles. This is also known as the Feast of Booths, or Sakat. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, Jews from all over Israel would travel to Jerusalem, and they would celebrate this feast for about a week. And they would set up these makeshift booths or tabernacles where they would live in all throughout the week. They'd set up these little huts all across the city. 
And they would live inside these huts for the week while they began to celebrate this wonderful feast that they would do once a year. Well, where did this celebration come from? It comes uh, from 1,500 years earlier when the nation of Israel was uh, a slave to the nation of Egypt. For 400 years, the nation of Israel was in slavery in Egypt, and God miraculously delivers them from slavery. He raises up Moses, a great leader, and he brings them out of slavery. God sends 10 plagues on the nation of Egypt. He miraculously delivers the nation out of their slavery. He takes them through the Red Sea on dry ground, and then he swallows up all of Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea, and they drown. And God brings them through the desert to Mount Sinai, where he gives them his law and his Ten Commandments. And as they're traveling through the desert, this nation of Israel, a nation of slaves that has now just been rescued and redeemed by God, they are, are so freshly free that they don't even have tents to live in. And so in the desert, they would build these makeshift booths out of sticks and twigs and branches and whatever they could find and whatever they could put together. And so this desert with millions of Jews in the desert was, was covered with all of these booths. And so every year for 1,500 years, the Jews would celebrate this feast and remember that God miraculously delivered them and brought them out of slavery and bondage. And this is the feast that Jesus is now speaking at in the temple. Fast forward to Jesus' time, he's standing there in the temple, and in the temple area where he is, there are four giant torches that are, are reaching up into the sky. These torches are higher than the walls of the temple, and at the top of these torches are, are, are giant bowls, and inside each one of these bowls is, a, is, is 65 liters of oil with a giant wick protruding from them. And at night, they would have priests who would put ladders on these torches, and they would climb all the way to the top of these torches, and they would light them. And these four torches would light up the entirety of the temple and much of the city of Jerusalem. And people would come, and under the light of these torches, they would dance, and they would sing, and they would worship, and they would feast, and they would celebrate all night long. And these torches specifically were built and used during the Feast of Tabernacles to commemorate the fact that God led the nation of Israel through the desert with a pillar of fire. And if you know anything about the story of the nation of Israel, you know that when God let, leads them through the desert, during the day, he leads them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God does this to show the nation that he is with them. He gives them a tangible, physical representation, an awesome symbol of his presence, a, 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 a cloud to, to guide them by day and a fire to, to illuminate their night. Many people think that when the, the nation of Israel was walking through the desert, that Moses was in the front of the line saying, all right, everybody, come this way. No, that's not how it worked. God was the one who led the nation of Israel through the wilderness, and he led them with a pillar of cloud and with a pillar of fire. And this pillar of fire was illuminating. It was warm. It was this continual symbol that God was with them, and he was guiding them, and he was directing them, and he was leading them. Why do I say all this? I say all this to say this, that when Jesus stands up in the temple, in that place, 
And on that day, in front of that crowd, and he says to them, I am the light of the world, every single person who heard him would have known exactly what he was talking about. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, hey, do you remember that pillar of fire that led the nation of Israel through the wilderness? Do you remember that that protecting, that guiding, that illuminating light, that continual symbol of God's presence, that physical incarnation of the presence of God? Hey, do you remember that, that thing that you've been celebrating all these years? Guess what? That's me. That's me. Jesus says, I, I am the light of the world. I am that pillar of fire that led the nation of Israel through the wilderness. I am the incarnation of God himself. I am what protects you. I am what guides you. I am what lights up your way. I am the essence of God himself, and I am truth itself. We know that Jesus, when he says this, it's a provocative statement because of the reaction he gets from the religious leaders of his day. And Jesus, of course, he's saying a lot here with very few words, but he's giving us a clear picture of who he is. And so this morning, I want to look very quickly at three ways that Jesus Christ is a light for us. Three ways that Jesus Christ is a light for us. First, I want you to notice this, is that Jesus is a guiding light. Jesus is a guiding light. Now, this is perhaps the most dominant picture that comes out of this passage for us is that uh, as Jesus compares himself to this, this pillar of fire that guides the nation of Israel through a dark and difficult journey, we could also call this, of course, a rescuing light. It's directly related to how God rescues a nation out of slavery and into freedom. But the symbol here is very clear, and what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is saying, listen, if you, if you need guidance, if you need direction, if you are wandering through life and you don't know where to go, look no further. If you're in slavery and you need to be rescued, look no further. I am the light. I'm what you're looking for. Ultimately, if we think about light, we understand this, is that light, light enables vision. Light enables vision. And so what is Jesus saying when he says, I am the light of the world? He's saying, you can't see without me. You can't see without me. You you can't navigate your way through this life without me. When I was a kid, we used to play this game with my brothers and sisters uh, in the basement. It was called hide and seek in the dark. Anybody ever do that? (laughs) Hide and seek in the dark, right? Now, if if the lights were on, man, as a kid, I could navigate that basement no problem. Man, I could zip in and out and under and on top of whatever I wanted to in a moment. Like, I was fast, right? But you turn off the lights, all of a sudden... I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's happening, right? I don't know where I am, and I bump into something, and I have to stop, figure out where I am, and I turn around, and I bump into something else, and I hit, and usually when we were kids and we play this game, it wouldn't last very long. Somebody would always end up with, uh, you know, a bloody chin or a bloody forehead or something and have to go to the hospital. Um, But in the, what's easy in the light becomes very difficult in the darkness, and we begin to stumble through the darkness trying to find and to reach our way 
uh, through where we're going. And Jesus, Jesus is saying here, he says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I think Jesus is saying something significant here. I think he's saying this. He's saying, listen, you, you don't have to stumble through life anymore. You don't have to stumble through life anymore. Have you ever felt like you were stumbling through life? You ever felt like you were stumbling through life? You, you, something, you, 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 you run into some obstacle and you didn't realize it was there and it surprised you. and Oh, and now you adjust to it and you figure out, okay, now I've got this figured out. And then you turn around and you start going your way and boom, you walk into some other obstacle again. And you're stumbling and you're stumbling and you're stumbling through life. And Jesus says, if you follow me, you, you won't have to walk in darkness, but you'll walk in light. You don't have to stumble your way through life anymore. Listen, I'm not saying that you don't have obstacles when you follow Jesus. I'm not saying that there aren't mountains to climb or valleys to walk through. But what I am saying is that when you follow Jesus Christ, he is the light. You don't have to walk in darkness and you don't have to walk aimlessly as if you don't know where you're going. When you follow Jesus Christ, you don't have to stumble your way through life. He says you don't have to, you don't have to walk aimlessly through life without vision, without clarity, without a clear destination. He says, I am the light. Follow me. And you won't have to walk in darkness. Now Jesus says this. He says something very significant here. He says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't say he is a light of the world. He says he is the light of the world. He is not one of many lights that can light up our way. He says, I am the light of the world. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel like you're stumbling through life, have you looked to Jesus? Have you looked to Jesus? Jesus is our guiding light. The second thing I want you to notice is this, is that Jesus is, is an exposing light. Jesus is an exposing light. And there are two ways that I want us to look at this. And the first is this, is that the light of Jesus, first of all, exposes uncomfortable realities. The light of Jesus exposes uncomfortable realities. Have you ever seen like on a TV show where they take a black light and they go through a hotel room? Have you ever done that? <laughs> Some of you <laughs> don't want to ever see that. <laughs> I think I saw that once and I said to myself, I will never go out of my home again. <laughs> of course, if they take that same black light and run it through your own house, they may find some very disturbing things as well, right? But light, light exposes uncomfortable realities. And, and what looks good in the darkness often looks very ugly in the light. What looks good in the darkness often looks very ugly in the light. They had this television show on about 10 years ago, and I didn't watch more than one episode of it because there was somebody I knew that was actually on it, um, but it was called Dating in the Dark. Anybody ever see that? It was Dating in the Dark, and they would, they would pair up these individuals, and they would meet uh, in a dark room where they couldn't see each other, and they had to get to know each other in the dark. And at the end of the show, they would do this big reveal, and the lights would come on, and they would finally get to see this person 
who they got to know and really liked in the dark and in the light. Sometimes it was great and sometimes it was a little disappointing. Because what looks good in the dark can often look very ugly in the light. Light exposes uncomfortable realities. And this theme of light actually runs all through John's gospel. And and Jesus actually speaks about it earlier. This is John chapter 3. Let me read these verses to you. Uh, John chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 16. This is probably the most uh, well-known passage of Scripture and the front part, but I want to read you the whole thing. John chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, that's usually where we stop. Let me continue reading. Verse 18, it says, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Jesus is saying something incredible here. He's saying, listen, he says, if you, if you want to follow me, just, just step into the light. Step into the light. And it's incredible because when you come and you, and you follow me, there is, there is forgiveness, there is freedom, there is uh, healing, there is wholeness, there is hope in the light. But he says, guess what? He says, guess what? <laughs> Many of you are not going to step into the light. And here's why. The darkness is comfortable. The darkness is comfortable. I can hide my ugliness in the darkness. I can hide what I don't want anybody else to see in the darkness. I can hide and I can stay comfortable. And Jesus says, many will not choose to step into the light because they are afraid that the ugliness of what they are hiding will be exposed. But here's what's incredible about what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, he's saying, listen, I know that it's fearful for you to step into the light. I know that when you step into the light, there's gonna be some ugly things that come to light. I know that. But guess what? This is why I came. In the light, there is no judgment. In the light, there's no judgment. There's only judgment in darkness. But when you step into the light, there is no judgment. That's why Jesus came. And so Jesus says, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to follow me into the light. You can't hide in the darkness anymore. I'm going to bring to light uncomfortable realities in your life. I'm going to do that. But guess what? There's no judgment there. There's no judgment there. 
The light of Jesus Christ exposes uncomfortable realities. The second thing that the light of Jesus does in exposing is that it exposes powerless sources of fear. The light of Jesus exposes powerless sources of fear. Light makes scary things not so scary. Light reveals what is true. It exposes danger, but it also exposes pseudo-dangers. This is why every kid has to have a nightlight in their room. Why? Is there some magic power in the nightlight? Well, maybe. Because the nightlight proves that there are no monsters in the closet or under the bed or anywhere in the room and allows you to go to sleep in peace. Light removes fear. About a year ago, my wife and I, we, uh, we flew out to Anaheim, California for our national uh, conference. And uh, of course, the conference was right next to Disneyland. And so it was walking distance. So it would have been a sin not to go. I'm just, just explaining that right now. Um, so we're there, and uh, we said, well, since we're here, we might as well go. So the two of us went, and uh, of course, we had our six-month-old daughter with us at the time, and uh, so we couldn't go on any rides together. We had to take turns, so it was ridiculous. Um, but we, we went our way through the park, and towards the end of the day, we hit one of the most classic rides at Disneyland called Space Mountain. Has anybody ever heard of Space Mountain? Space Mountain is, uh, is a roller coaster in the dark, Right? It's one of their classic rides, and it's, it's absolutely terrifying because you don't know what is going to happen. You don't know where you're going to turn, where it's going to twist, what's going to happen, and it's just exhilarating. And so um, at that point in the day, I decided I was going to go first. So I went first on the ride. I got out of line. I came back, switched spots with my wife. She went on the ride, and I am waiting for her to come back, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and she's not coming back. And I said, what in the world is going on? Uh, it, the line was not that long. How long could it have taken her to get through? Well, it turns out, while she was on the ride, the ride broke down. There's one thing scarier than a roller coaster in the dark. It's a roller coaster that breaks down in the dark. And uh, she told me, she said, well, I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, in order for them to fix the ride, they had to turn the lights on. And so my wife had the rare opportunity of seeing what Space Mountain looks like in the light, which nobody gets to see. And she said, guess what? It's just a regular roller coaster. <laughs> it's not so scary. Light has the power to take away fear. How many of you know that fear lives in darkness? Fear lives in darkness, and the powers of darkness only have power in darkness. The powers of darkness only have power in darkness. Let me say this to you today, and I'm not going to say this because uh, I'm a great spiritual person or because I, I, I'm arrogant or I feel like I'm more important than anybody else. I'm just going to say this because I believe it's the truth. I, I, I don't fear the devil. I don't fear the devil. The devil lives in darkness. I live in the light. He lives in the darkness and I live in the light. 
Some of you might say, well, well, Pastor Dan, I, I've read some of the Bible, and the Bible says that the devil is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a roaring lion prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. Aren't we supposed to be on the lookout for him? And I said, well, hold on a second. It doesn't say he is a lion. It says he is like a lion. Scripture tells me that there's only one true lion, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and his name is Jesus Christ. The devil is nothing more than a grumpy old kitty cat with a megaphone. And when you flip on the light, all his power is gone. It's gone. Jesus Christ is an exposing light. And he exposes the powerless sources of fear in our lives. Some of us, listen, some of us here today are, are, are afraid of things that Jesus Christ can set you free from because it has no power over your life when you are following Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is an exposing light and he takes our fear away. Finally, we see this. We see that Jesus is a reflecting light. He's a reflecting light. Jesus says, he says that he perfectly reflects the Father. He perfectly reflects the Father. He says, if you knew me, you would also know my Father. What's he saying? He's saying that the, the clearest representation of God the Father to us is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus says, if you, if you want to see what God the Father looks like, if you want to understand God the Father's heart and his character and what he thinks about you and how he feels about you and how the extent he would go to love you and rescue you, look no further than me. Jesus says, I perfectly reflect the Father. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and is the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus Christ is the perfect representation and reflection of God the Father. He says, if you want to see what the Father looks like, look no further than the Son. And he says, if you don't know who the Father is, you haven't been looking at the Son. So Jesus perfectly reflects the Father. But at the same time, Jesus says that when you follow him, when we follow Jesus, is that we have the power to reflect the light of God as well. Listen to this again. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Why? Because you will have the light that leads to life. You'll have it. You'll actually possess the light of God within you. This is why Jesus says, uh, 
In another gospel, in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Well, hold on. I thought, I thought Jesus said he was the light of the world. Yes, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and I perfectly reflect the light of the Father to you. And when you follow me, you walk in the light, and you have the light, and then you become the light to the world as well. The light of the Father flows through the Son and into those and through those who follow him. And so what does that mean? That means that you and I have the power to light up the world. We do. But not because of anything good inside of us. Not because of how great we are or how gifted we are or how articulate we are, how smart we are, how good we are at selling ourselves to somebody else. We're the light of the world because we see clearly Jesus Christ. And we follow him, we walk in his light, and it reflects, it reflects through us to the world around us. So you and I have the power to light up the world. We have the power to be guiding lights, pointing people to our Savior Jesus Christ and to the love of God our Father. We have the power to expose uh, what is in the darkness. We have the power to speak truth in love, but we also have the power to expose powerless sources of fear in the lives of others because of who we know. And we have the power to show who Jesus is to the world. I, I started off this message by saying that, you, that our greatest insecurities as human beings come when we don't know what's true about those closest to us or who our closest allies are or where our closest relationships stand. And it's my hope today, as we close this surface, as we reflect on what Christ is doing in our hearts, that we will take one step closer to our greatest security, and that is Jesus Christ, who is our light, he is our hope, he's our rescuer, he's the one who loves us, and he's the one who points us to the Father. Two thoughts I wanna leave you with before we close in prayer, and that is this. The first is this. I will never see more clearly than when I see Jesus Christ. I'll never see more clearly than when I see Jesus Christ. Listen, if you are stumbling through life, if life seems cloudy or difficult, you're trying to navigate through, I would ask you, when you're struggling to see clearly, how clearly do you see the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in your life? Are you taking time and moments in your life to reflect and to behold on who he is. Because when we do that, he makes all things clear. We'll never see more clearly than when we see Jesus Christ. And the final thought is this, is the more clearly I see Jesus Christ, the more clearly others will see him in me. And so if people aren't seeing Jesus Christ in my life, I have to ask myself one question. <laughs> How clearly am I seeing Jesus? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today we thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the light of our world. And God, today, as we reflect once more on the person and the work of Jesus Christ, God, I pray that you would help us in our hearts to see you clearly. 
God, I pray that you would give us a clear picture of your son. God, if our hearts are unsure today of your love for us, that you would clear that up for us, God, as we look at Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. God, maybe there are individuals today who have yet to step into the light of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's individuals here today who have never given their heart and their life and put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. God, I pray today that you give them the faith and the courage to take that next step and put their faith and their trust in you. And God, as we navigate through this life, which can be very difficult so many times, God, as we as we stumble our way through, God, I pray that each time we stumble, we'd remember that we never see more clearly than when we see you. And God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our guiding light, who allows us to walk through life without being afraid of stumbling because you are the one who is leading us. God, deliver individuals today from fear because of who Jesus Christ is. Deliver individuals today, God, from the comfort of darkness and help them to walk into the freedom that is the light. And Jesus, help us to see you so clearly and so purely that your love and your light is reflected through our lives to a world that so desperately needs it. God, do that in our hearts and our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Come on, Church of Shore, appreciation. Great job, man. Really great. We could have our intercessors please come right over, if you would, quickly. Would you all stand to your feet? We're going to do one last final song, our closing song. And uh, we're going to ask if you would please just hang in here just for another minute and a half, a couple, three minutes maybe. Um, we have these intercessors who have been praying right now throughout the whole service. They're ready to pray for you. If you have any need whatsoever in your life, Come on down. Just share a little bit of it with them and let them pray for you. Let God come and intervene in your life wherever you have a need. And then we're going to release you. If you would please just hold on. I, want, I got a real important announcement before you leave out of here. So please don't take right off if you, if you can possibly wait one more time. Dan, go ahead there. If you would, look. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, we've got something really exciting coming up at Word of Life AG. Our three-week At The Movies series starts on November 18th, 2018. On November 18th, November 25th, and December 2nd, invite your friends to come to church because we're going to be watching movies in church. We bring out this huge screen, eat popcorn, and learn about the Word of God um, through incredible, relevant movies. So get the word out, invite your friends, and we can't wait to see you there.